All right, welcome everyone to episode 16 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Jake Hill. Oh, yeah. All right. I know the schedule's been a little funky, but we're back after another vacation. Jake, we're slacking. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, I'm, I'm another year older than I was last time we did a podcast. Right. So that, that's that's Post- another reason we missed an episode last week, y'all. Post-birthday special today for y'all. Yeah, Man, it's, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're trying not to to rip out a, a two and a half hour banger for y'all tonight. But um, we had a lot a lot of stuff go down. A lot of brave stuff went down. Obviously, the dogs played college football. Another week of college football. Another week of the NFL. A lot of things going on in the sports world right now. The uh, baseball baseball year is ramping down. We're getting ready for some postseason action. We got a fire into the baseball season coming up. Um, Heisman odds are starting to shake up a little bit. We might dive into a little bit of that, talk about some uh, futures coming up for this upcoming week, college and NFL, and um, I'm excited to get to it. So let's not drag this thing out anymore. Jake, kick us off. Kenny, I, I think you brought us into that about as good as you can, uh, like always. Great introduction. Um, and you were right. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, our apologies for missing a couple of days, vacation, birthdays. You know, we were, we were busy. The Busy last week and uh, also missed an episode yesterday. Didn't really communicate that much. I, I think we both hit about 8 o'clock last night, and then we're like, oh, yeah, it's Tuesday. We usually do podcasts on Tuesdays. At that point, I don't know what Kenny was doing, but I know me personally, I was laying in bed watching the Braves. So I, I, wasn't, I really did not want to get up and get all this stuff put together and ready to go. So might sound lazy. My bad. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and just because we weren't recording does not mean we were not paying attention to sports. We did, because that's what we do at all times, even, even when we don't do podcasts. Uh, let's kick it off with the Braves. What do you think about that? You want to do the Braves first? Yeah, let's go. I've already got it right in front of me. Okay, so right now, if you're listening to this, it is uh, 9.28 Eastern time um, on September 28th. The Braves are playing the Washington Nationals. Uh, live box score, the Braves are down 2-1 to one to the Nationals. Uh, and the key thing about this game, actually, oh, live update. Michael Harris just hit an RBI single to drive in Danzy Swanson. The game is tied 2-2, two to two, right there, right there on the dot. So we start podcast, great things start to happen. This is a huge game for the Braves right now because yesterday, the Braves beat the Washington Nationals 8-2. to two, And... I think every Braves fan can say that we are fans of the Miami Marlins right now. We have to root for the Marlins, especially tonight. Um, the Marlins beat the beat the Mets. Uh, I know they beat them pretty fairly. I want to say it was about six to two or something like that. Um, and honestly, the Mets kind of got a like a little bit of a scum run right there because I think it was Richard Blyer came in to pitch for the Marlins and the umpire called him for three straight balls in one inning. And yeah. Jeff, Jeff McNeil just walked his way around all the way from first base to home in, in one single at bat. I don't remember who was hitting, but it, it was it was definitely an interesting thing. I think Blyer and Mattingly both got ejected. Uh, Donnie Baseball, by the way, is out of out of Miami after this year, so I don't think really think he cares too much. So go ahead and find him. You know, kick him out of the game. He doesn't care. He's gone. Uh, balk in his career. Yeah, never balked in his career. Same. I get. I watched it. I, I watched it today on the phone. I did not catch it live. I was watching the Braves, but. I didn't see a ball. Me personally, not at all. Nothing. Nothing looked any really any different. They were trying to say that he wasn't coming fully set. Uh, I didn't see it. They said thought, his glove was moving or something. It, it was it was something dumb. I, I 
I've seen Blyer pitch a couple times. Obviously, we're Braves fans. We, we've seen the we've seen the guy face the Braves a, a few times throughout throughout his time in Miami, and uh, I I feel like he's been doing the same thing since he's been there. Like I, I don't think that was anything new compared to what he normally does. So it was definitely kind of funky, and he was hot. He was really really upset about it, and, and I don't blame him. Uh, obviously, the game was not out of hand because we know what that we know what that Mets lineup can do. That Mets lineup can put up some runs pretty quick on you, but you know. It, it was it was kind of a funky thing we saw, um, but yeah, the Braves are playing the Nationals right now, two to two, uh, eighth inning, I think, uh, and the Marlins are be are beating the Mets right now, two to two to nothing, three to nothing. Um, so if we win today, the Braves have sole possession of first place. I do want to mention if we end the season with a tie with the New York Mets, I don't know if that is something that is mathematically possible because we do have a three game set, and I don't know how that will set up the games i'm sure some way in math it, it can work i'm not going to say here and do it right now live on the podcast if we do end the season tied with the mets the mets do win the division there's no game 163 this year like there has been in past years and uh so they have the tiebreaker the only way the braves will win that tiebreaker is if we sweep the mets but i'm pretty sure at this point in the season unless something drastic happens if the braves sweep the mets we're going to win the nl east outright anyways so I, I think that that Mets series that we're coming into this weekend is going to be huge uh, one thing I do want to mention on this Mets series, um, I don't know how this is nationwide, but obviously down here in the South, we have a huge hurricane coming in. Hur- hurricane Ian is making its way through the through Florida right now. Uh, prayers up to all you Florida citizens down there. But it is it, it might affect Braves' action this weekend. I know there's talks about uh, a game being played tomorrow on both teams' off days, but I want to say the Braves haven't had an off day in about two weeks, and the Mets just had an off day two days ago. So. The Braves declined. That was a Mets offer right there. They put out the Braves declined the offer, rightfully so, because it's it's not really a fair match that the Braves need this off day to get everybody back, you know, back juiced up, ready for this big series. There's also a little bit of rumors spreading around. I don't know how true this is, but there's some rumors that they might be playing a double header on Sunday because the weather's going to be really, really bad on Saturday. And as Braves fans, uh, Kenny, I'm sure you can vouch for this too. We don't want a Sunday double header. I'm sure that's probably the most likely that's going to happen is a Sunday doubleheader because I think the weather's cleared up pretty well for Friday. Saturday is really the only day we're going to have bad weather, so I, I think a Sunday doubleheader might be have to be the move. But knowing the Braves' records on Sundays and especially day games, I, I'm I'm not a very big fan of that idea. That 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 scares me a ton. No, we don't want that at all because that's going to be a uh, un- that that could be a potential Scherzer day ground. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and. The Mets pitched Cookie Carrasco yesterday, and they're pitching uh, Taiwan Walker today, so they are definitely setting themselves up to have those two guys go against the Braves this coming weekend. Um, Another news with the Braves, uh, this is something that we didn't get to cover. Uh, Spencer Strider is shut down for the rest of the regular season. He'll be back playoff time. Uh, He had a strained oblique. I don't think it's anything too serious, though, because I'm pretty sure I saw a report that said he wanted to pitch through it, but Snickers said no, and then they ended up putting him on the IL to end the season. And, you know, a guy like this who has, who has never pitched this many, this many innings at a professional level, uh, I think it's a good idea to go ahead and shut him down for the rest of your year, get him primed up for postseason baseball. As Braves fans know, um, Spencer Strider, when he's on, really, I'm not going to say when he's on because I don't know. He's not, he's not off very often. But Spencer Strider is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and if you look at the second half of the season, uh, you could argue that this guy is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, I know we have we have the Sandy Alcantara's of the world in the in the uh, Zach Gallons of the world out there lighting the world on fire, but this kid right here should get some legit Cy Young votes and uh, Rookie of the Year votes the same. 
And Kenny, if you don't have anything to speak on that, I do have a question that's going to bring me into. Um, with Spencer Strider missing these last, you know, sure it's two or three starts you would have missed. Uh, who is your NL Rookie of the Year right now? That's the magic question. This is the magic question going around uh, baseball because I had seen some stuff and uh, recency bias is a real thing, y'all. And whenever one guy goes on the shelf, you don't see him for the last two weeks of the season and the other guy in the race is absolutely lighting the world on fire, uh, it, it might sway opinions. Because I will say this, I was on the Spencer Strider train hard about two weeks ago. And I'm with you. And I... I Michael Harris might be, you could, you could argue he is the team MVP of 2022. There is a legit argument for that. Austin Riley is awesome. Austin Riley is amazing. But what Michael Harris has done, especially at the time whenever the whole lineup went cold, oh my gosh, I have some numbers in front of me since the start of August. Uh, Michael Harris is batting 335 with a 378 on base percentage, a 596 slugging. With, that makes up for a 974 OPS with 10 bombs, 34 ribs. 17 doubles and where's the stolen bases at nine stolen bases so since the start of august in two months the dude has been putting up crazy numbers i looked at a little stat earlier and i don't know i don't know exactly what the stat was i'm not a statistician statistician what's the word for it kid you're smarter than me statistician statistician is that a word is it statistician it might be I, i i don't know uh you know I, I, I guess I guess we'll skip that for now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no idea, but uh, but not a and it was uh, a thing showing the center fielders of baseball. And Stati- it's statistician. It is okay. Statistician. Yeah. That does not sound right, but we we will we will roll with it. Um, and it was the top center fielders of baseball, and it was like the overall number. Like I said, I don't know the I don't know what the stat was called. It was just a way to measure players. I don't believe it was WAR. It might have been, but. And Michael Harris was fourth on that list among center fielders. And let's just say top the top two was Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. Yeah. The guy that was in front of him at third was uh, Julio Rodriguez. But the one thing about Michael Harris is Michael Harris has 392 at-bats this season. I want to say that Julio Rodriguez has .1 higher war than Michael Harris with like a hundred more at bats. So I think if you give Michael Harris, I'm not going to assume, but I, I am going to assume if you give Michael Harris a hundred more at bats, he, he's not going to be higher than judge. Obviously. Um, congratulations to Aaron judge live on the podcast. We're going to say Aaron judge hit 61 today. Uh, ties the AL record with former Yankee legend, Roger Maris, but this dude could legit be the second best center fielder in baseball. Like, that is a crazy thing to think at 21 years old. Like, we know how good Michael Harris is, but the farther you dig into his numbers, the more you realize, like, okay, this this is a top 15 player in baseball right now. Like, it's insane. It's ridiculous. And I'm right there with you, man. I mean, Spencer Strider, I've been on the Strider train all year. You and I both, even before the season kicked off, we were pumped to see this guy. And he's delivered and would be an ace on so many teams in the MLB. Um, but what Michael Harris is doing right now, man, it is, it's ridiculous. And I'm, I, I feel like you got to give it to, to big Mike right now. The money, man, man, is money, Mike. Uh, 
I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do some quick math right quick. Um, the Braves record right now is 97 and 58. That's our total record. The Braves record when Michael Harris is playing is 75 and 33. I don't know how that lines up, but I mean 75 and 33 when a guy uh, is playing on your team sounds pretty damn good. And I do remember whenever Michael Harris came to Atlanta, that's whenever that long win streak took place. I feel like ever since this guy's been on the team, the Braves have won. The Braves have been a significantly better team. Obviously, you replaced the you know the caliber guys he was out there replacing out there in the outfield. The Braves outfield was really really weak at that point. And not only on the offensive side of the ball, but you know you play in defense. Michael Harris is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. I I expect him to win the Silver Slugger Award in the National League for center fielders and the Gold Glove Award for center fielders in the National League. I don't think it should be a conversation about that. Had a crazy play in the outfield today. Yeah, you saw that the one at the wall where he jumped up and, and caught the ball. Yeah, that was that yeah. was that was dope. Michael Harris is a monster. Yeah, he, he's an absolute animal. Um, but I think that kind of wraps it up for Brave stuff. Uh, I do want to mention me and Kitty do not have no notes right now. Like this is all off the dome type stuff we're going into. Uh, whenever you look back on two weeks of sports since you since you've done a podcast, it it gets a little worrisome when you're trying to type notes. So we figured we'd take this episode and kind of just. Let you guys know that we're alive. Uh, we surfed and we did not get eaten by sharks. So that's a very significant thing in life. Uh, I was a little bit nervous about it, but after we got on the waves, it felt good. So just let you guys know we're alive and we're, we're going to bust through some sports stuff. It might not be the most professional talk you've heard, but it's going to be there and we're going to push through. I mean, we're bona fide statisticians. Statisticians is a good word. I mean, I'm going to keep on using that in the future. That That is a beautiful word. Um, But... I think that wraps it up on my Braves talk. Uh, like I said, the only notable thing right now is that the division is tied uh, and there's six games left to play after tonight. So if the Braves can go into the Mets series with a one-game lead, you have to feel really, really good about that situation. So that's all we can root for. And uh, obviously next time on the podcast, whenever we come back, uh, that, that series will be over. So we'll have a lot more Braves stuff to, to talk about next next podcast. But this one, we're just kind of giving a little breakdown. All right, well, Jake, if you'll allow it, I'd like to take a one-minute time in this podcast to address the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Address the Canes. I thought you meant, like, I thought you were about to talk about Ian. I wasn't going to talk about Ian. Now, I ain't talking Anderson. I'm talking about Hurricane Ian. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, not, it's not the best time to talk positive about Hurricanes. Uh, or so, Ian's. Uh, you know... Oh, I was about to make a messed up joke. I'm so sorry. I I, I really feel for you Florida people down there. I... We'll talk about it a little bit later. Y'all lost to the Tennessee Volunteers. Ooh. I okay. saw the cow cow pit strolled into practice today wearing a orange and white checkered set of overalls. He lost a bet with CPAT. That's awesome. Did you see the uh did you see what Colt McCoy was wearing with the Cardinals? Yes, that was hilarious. He had the he had the bet with uh Kingsbury. That was dope. Yeah, that, that was, was that, awesome. That, that was awesome. Yeah, but go ahead, go ahead and get into getting them canes. Let's see, let's see what you had to say. All right, so we got a weird. Uh, obviously, we talked about it on the last podcast. We're under a month away from NHL regular season. The preseason just kicked off yesterday for the Canes. Um, we got a weird series right now. We're we're playing Tampa, and obviously, anything in Tampa right now is getting nixed because of the hurricane situation. Um. But last night, we kicked it off, uh, first preseason game of the year with a 5-1 victory over the Lightning. Obviously, the Lightning are, you know, 
insane team, two-time champs, uh, stacked from top to bottom. And a lot of starters played for both teams, which is really good uh, for the Canes because if you follow the Canes and you listen to this podcast, we follow the Canes. I follow the Canes very devoutly. Um, they had kind of a weird offseason. A lot of guys left. We brought brought in some some acquisitions that were a little questionable, in my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of people. Um, and one guy I want to talk about in the first preseason, preseason game of the year, uh, Dylan Coughlin, man. He's an offseason acquisition. Brought him in from Vegas. Um, this is a defenseman. Um, in hockey, if you follow hockey, there are three attack players, center, left wing, right wing, two defensemen in the backfield who their job is to defend. And Dylan Coughlin, a defense, defenseman that we bring in from Vegas, led the team in points last night. Uh, three assists. So shout out Dylan Coughlin, dude, is getting his name in there, trying to work up this dip, charting into his starting rotation. Um, so shout out to him. That was really good to see. Another thing I want to talk about, Sebastian Ajo, obviously he's a star player, um, starting center, first line for the Canes, um, one of the best centers in the league, one of the best attackmen in the league in general. But um, So he came out there with a goal in the, in the first preseason game. That was great to see. But an interesting thing is uh, this line for the Canes, man. The, we're pretty stacked as far as the attack positions go throughout all three lines, but we've got a little bit of a battle going on for that second, third line spot right now, and that's between uh, Jesper Cockneyami and Seth Jarvis. Both guys have gotten some pretty significant playing time for the Canes uh, the past couple years. Last year, they both played pivotal roles throughout the postseason and the regular season. Um, Seth Jarvis had the edge in this game, and, uh, man, Cockneyami came out there uh, second – on the team with two points last night. So these guys are kind of bat- battling it out for those line shares for uh, the second, third uh, center spot right now. And also, Andre Sveshnikov, always, uh, we're always going to talk about him. He's another guy you mentioned with Sebastian Ah, who's always producing. Also, two points in the game. So um, from an attack standpoint, that was really refreshing to me because we're bringing a lot of guys back and a lot of new guys that are coming in this year and are going to have to step up and play pivotal pivotal roles like Dylan Coughlin I just mentioned in the defensive backfield um 24 year old uh going into his third year bring him out of Vegas so um you will talk about this more it's just preseason so you can't dive into it too much but for a really really young Canes team that's a pretty big outing in a 5-1 uh, 5-1 win against Tampa in preseason I do have one thing to say about this uh I don't know if you have the like the stuff in front of you right now Kenny uh is Seth Jarvis JT Daniels' alter ego, the hockey version of JT Daniels? He might be. Is that his twin? Dude, Seth Jarvis is a stud. He's 20 years old. Yeah, he looks like JT Daniels. He does kind of like he's JT Daniels with less teeth. Uh, that, he de- yeah, probably so. He plays hockey. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, get wrecked by the Hurricanes. Um, not not Ian, uh, Carolina. Sorry, uh, bad time. It's it's a bad time to play Hurricanes. Uh, that's terrible. But uh, yeah. So I respect it. I I'm excited to get into hockey, but I, I will say I did not tune into any preseason games. I still don't know what none of this stuff means. So I have, I have to work on that a little bit. I do know Seabass, uh. Because I, I've been seeing it pop up on our Peach State tailgate uh, Twitter. And I will say, everybody, that was not me tweeting that. So, um, it can only be one person here. And We love Seabass. I guess on the Peach State tailgate, we love Seabass. So, we're rolling with Seabass this year, baby. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I like it. We're going to get in some uh, Hurricanes talk a little bit more as, as the preseason 
rolls rolls in and then the regular season rolls in uh or slides in whatever hockey puck does so yeah i'm excited for it yeah pucks on pucks on net sticks on ice baby it's time to go it's time to go time all right let's go. talk about some college ball jake college ball here we go now we're into something i can talk about let's do it all right let's talk about the dogs man dog nation uh it was a little bit of a weird week uh, we come out with a three-position win over Kent State, but it wasn't the most pretty win that we've ever seen. Um, now, year after year, you can't just roll through teams. We see it every year with Alabama. They play close games against the Citadel. They play kind of crazy games year after year. Uh, you see the Clemson. They always have a stinker of year. It's always Pitt or Syracuse. And uh, Georgia had theirs last week with, with Kent State, man, allowing 22 points. An interesting fact I wanted to bring up, a pretty cool stat. Um, not cool, but I guess good for team development and, and things we need to work on moving forward. Uh, Kent State came out there and threw for 188 passing yards on the dogs. 150 of those were after contact. So, um, and, and I will say, too, that you, you take that stat and you think about it and it makes you think we're not tackling well. I don't want to say Georgia can't tackle. Obviously, man, this defense is loaded, but Kent – they they run a lot of swing passes, a lot of screen passes, and I think they probably found a little bit of a weakness in this Georgia team. Um, we need to defend the screen better. We need to defend the 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 routes out of the backfield a little bit better, and Kent definitely exposed that a little bit. A couple burnt coverages, um, but you know Kamari Laster, we we've talked about him in the past. He'll he'll get it figured out. But yeah, that was the big takeaway for me defensively was we need to get better against the screen. We need to get a, a, a better the perimeter passing game. So um, that was a big takeaway for me. Um, now, positive things I will say for Georgia, obviously Stitt came out there, played a good game through his first interception of the year, but 272 through the year. Um, Brock Bowers, man, he's the best. He's the best tight end in college football. He might be the best player pound for pound in college football. Yes. So um, if you forgot about Brock Bowers, you surely remember him now. 77 rushing yards, two touchdowns, um, Five receptions for 60 yards, 12 average. I mean, dude's an absolute animal. He's going to be all over the field every single game. He just dusts guys. He's big. He's physical. He runs amazing routes. He's got great hands. He's fast. He can block. Like, he's a unicorn, man. This is George Kittle, literally. So, um, Brock Bowers, you're an absolute dog. And then defensively, I want to talk about JDJ. JDJ, man, hit stick. This dude lights players up, man. Like, this is something that I feel like we've never really had the opportunity to see from Georgia. We talked about in the Oregon game how it's so swing passy and and you're east to west. We got to see some downhill football against Kent State, and these boys can hit. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm gonna let you keep on rolling with yours, and when I get into it, I, I will. But yes, I I can agree with that 100. percent The last thing to hit on is Dejon Edwards, man. Uh, we we've talked about him in the podcast before. A lot of people have been high on him. Um, obviously with a backfield like Kenny Mack and Kendall Milton, and you bring in a guy like Branson Robinson, uh, you you weren't too sure what you were going to see from Dejon. But a lot of the stuff coming out of fall camp said that this guy was, or spring camp said that this guy was going to be working his way up that depth chart and get a lot of carries. And uh, we've seen it so far, man. He's got some pretty significant carries. He can run the ball between the tackles. He's pretty quick. He's really athletic. Led the team in carries with 12, 73 yards rushing, uh, 6.1 average. So, Dejon Edwards, look out for him. This dude looks like he's going to be a pretty pivotal pivotal role or play a pivotal role in this rushing attack for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll go into it a little bit. Um, 
I'm happy you said three possessions um, to make it make it seem a little bit better than what it was because this was a piss poor game from the Bulldogs. I'm just going to say it like it is. This is a terrible game for Georgia. It was awful in a lot of aspects. Uh, I'm going to start with the negatives. We'll end with the positives. Um, negatives. Lad McConkey played his worst football game he's ever played in his entire life. High school, peewee ball, everything. Lad McConkey looked very bad. Uh, stat line's going to tell you he had six receptions for 65 yards. He also lost two fumbles. And I want to say he tried to alligator arm a ball that Stetson threw right to his chest. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it was a rough look for Lad. Now, I will say Lad McConkey has always shown Georgia fans that he is a really good, really, really good wide receiver. So I'm not going to hold too much against him. Lad has always been good for Georgia. He is Mr. Consistency on, in the wide receiver room. This guy seems like he is always open. Uh, we all love Lad, but he has to get over this game. That was, that was a terrible performance against Kent State. And, uh, you know, drop muffing a punt. There was, there was a lot of ugly mistakes from Lad. Uh, second negative. The interior defensive line is bad. Um, I know Jalen Carter did not play in this game, but it, it was a very, very bad performance for the interior. Zion Logue was a guy that I was looking forward to watching this year. See, seeing him getting a little bit more reps with Devontae Wyatt and uh, uh, Jordan Davis both leaving to the NFL. I was not impressed at all with seeing him. Nazir Stackhouse, not impressed. Like The whole interior defensive line was very underwhelming for me. Uh, I know Jalen Carter, obviously, probably the best player on this football team outside of Brock Bowers. I will give Brock Bowers that title, but Jalen Carter is the best player on this football team on the defense side of football. And it's a big impact when he's not playing. But you're playing Kent State. That that should not mean as much as it did in this game. Um, and my last negative I'm going to go to, and it is a guy that we've talked about in the past. Kamari Laster makes me a little nervous. I'm not saying that that he's going to uh, be bad. But whenever I was talking about the South Carolina game before we're going into the South Carolina game, I was nervous about seeing him get his first chance. He got cooked in the South Carolina game, had a couple pass interference calls, and then he gets cooked in the Kent State game. He's going to have to step that type of stuff up whenever we start playing harder competition. There's, there's no question about it. You go against one of these top teams in the SEC, you go against a Tennessee or an Alabama that could throw the ball over the yard, they're going to pick on you. Um, and we can't have a guy like that, you know, manning a whole side of the field, allowing people to beat him. He did get burnt one time in this Kent State game. It was notable to me because uh, Malachi Starks was that deep safety. And not only did Kamari last year get beat burnt, but Malachi Starks completely got fooled on the route, even though it was just a straight go route. And he bit in too far, and then he was cooked too. So, again, I'm not I'm not going to dog too much on Malachi. Malachi has been good all year. He's He's... A sensation as a freshman, uh, but it, it was not the best look for him either. So I'm, I'm sorry, Malachi. You're, you're also under the burners a little bit. But you know, we're going into a good week two game. Uh, I'm not I'm saying week two. We're going into a good game uh, next week, uh, week five, and against Missouri. And I fully expect the Bulldogs to come out and dog walk Missouri after this performance. Kirby is going to have these guys ready to go, more ready to go than we've seen them all year. This is a wake up call for Georgia that you are not. What you think you are, even though I'm going to say I, I still think they are what we think they are. But you, you need a wake up call every once in a while to show you're not guaranteed to be the best team in the country. And I think that that's kind of what Georgia got. Uh, I do want to mention that Kent State is a team that did play Oklahoma really, really tough earlier this year. I know the final score shows three to thirty three, but uh, 
they did hold it was three to three to ten at halftime in that game. So, you know, that can't stay as a team that, that's played decently tough this year. But to see Georgia give them give them the most points they've scored all year long, it, it is a little bit concerning to me, especially on a team that's based off defense. Positives. Um, you talked about the positives a lot. Uh, Stett looked good. Uh, he did have the one interception. I'm going to put that on the wide receiver, though. Uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint ran one of the most lazy routes you could possibly run. Let the defender get right in front of him, and did not have a, not even making an effort at the ball. You got it. You got to come towards the ball, Marcus. In that situation, the DB wanted the ball more than him, and the DB got the ball. So that that's all I see from that. Um, I'm glad you said something about that because I mentioned it to one of my buddies. We were just talking about the game, and obviously interceptions are always put on the quarterback. It wasn't the best ball in the world, but no. I, I, I thought the same thing, man. It looked like he kind of gave up on the route a little bit. It was a bad decision, but at, in that situation, you have to use your body. You have, you have to try to be physical. You have to try to go for the ball. You don't just let the ball go by. Whenever you let the go, ball go by, I mean, you're, you're talking about defenders right there. So it's, it's a situation where Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint has to, you have to attack the ball. There's no way around it. Um, at least a pass breakup. That's all, like... Don't just let the guy get an uncontested interception. That that is the last thing you want to happen. That's what Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint did. So, um, and then outside of that, Brock Bowers, absolute stud. If the Heisman Trophy goes to the best player in college football, Brock Bowers is going to be your your Heisman Trophy winner. It's not going to happen because that's not really how it works. Um, like last year, you know, Bryce Young. Bryce Young was awesome. Bryce Young was amazing. But we're talking about the best player in college football is probably Will Anderson. So, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that it, it's an award like that. But if that's what it was supposed to be, then Brock Bowers would be your Heisman Trophy winner. Um, and Dejon Edwards, you're right. This is a guy that we did talk a lot about. Um, 12 carries for 73 yards with an average of a 6.1. One thing that I look at, his long was only 17. It's not a super big positive, but I take that as consistently good carries. Sometimes you look at these guys' averages, and the average is like 8 yards a carry. Then you look at it, they ran the ball 10 times for... 80 or 10 times for 95 yards and they had a 65 yard long so i mean it that shows that the guy was consistently getting positive yards every carry so i, I like to see that um and he took over kind of like the main the main the main running back role which was which was interesting to see uh we talk about a guy like kendall milton he's a guy that has you know mostly mostly handled the workload back there in the backfield toting the ball but think guy like dejan man we love it uh we liked him a lot last year carrying that that fourth quarter load in the blowout games. And to see him actually get a good role in this offense is is really, really good to see. And my last little mention I want to have on the dogs is, uh, you know, we didn't do a podcast since the South Carolina game. I'm not going to go too far into it. Besides, we beat the crap out of you. So, you know, first SEC opponent we faced this year and we dog walked him, which was a beautiful thing. The biggest score differential we've ever seen in a South Carolina Georgia game. So talk about a lot of years of football being played. This was the biggest difference. And I'll say one more thing, and you could call it playing devil's advocate, I guess, if you wanted to, or call it being a homer, whatever. But let's look at it from a team statistic standpoint, man. Obviously, we're statisticians. We've already we've already said it. Um, Georgia, man, in this Kent State game, that that twenty two looks terrible. It doesn't look good. You don't want to give up twenty two to anybody with this Georgia defense, where we don't want to give up touchdowns at all, especially to Kent State. But I'm going to attribute. A lot of that 22 to field position, I mean, really untimely turnovers, like you mentioned with Ladd. I mean, we lose the turnover margin to three to one in this game. So to win by three possessions in that 
lopsided of a turnover margin makes you think, you know, probably Kent State benefited from field position a little bit. So I'm going to say that. And also from an offensive standpoint, man, over 500 yards of total offense, and we did not punt the ball one time. Like this offense is still rolling. Yeah, this offense is, like we mentioned it, this offense might be the best offense in college football. And, and that's not even a homer opinion. This is real. The weapons that Stetson has around him, and Stetson Bennett himself, uh, the, the, I don't know if there's a group out there like this. You can look at Ohio State and, and make a claim there. But the difference is that Georgia actually plays defense also. Um, and you're right. In the first quarter, I, I really think what happened with Georgia was uh, we kind of let them get into it in the first quarter. And that, that's what kind of messed us up in the second half because Kent State got a little bit of confidence going into the second half. And they actually drove the ball in the second half. If you look at the first quarter, um, first scoring drive, they had four plays, negative two yards Keep the field goal. That was the Lad McConkey uh muff punt. Second drive. Um two plays, 68 yards touchdown. First play was a 12-yard catch. And then the second play was the play that uh Kamari last year got burnt on for 56 yards. So, you know, they, they they put up 10 in the first. Um, they did also kick a field goal a little bit later on. It was a nine play, 47 yards. Uh I don't understand. They must have had a long play somewhere in there, right? Actually, no. They must have just kicked a kicked a boot. Must have, must have just brought out the boot. I don't know. We were uh, at a surf shop at that point. <laughs> I want to say so. <laughs> I, I don't know what really happened in that situation. But you're right. Um, there there was a little bit of fluky plays going on in this game that I don't I don't really see that being George. George is a very very disciplined football team, and I think that uh, just some untimely turnovers, like you mentioned. I mean, we turned the ball over twice in the first half. We only had the ball. We only had possession two times. And it was a touchdown and a field goal. So, you know, it was it was definitely an interesting thing. Two possessions that there was that did not result in a turnover, I must say. Yeah. Well, is that is that your Georgia talk, Jake? I have two more things to mention, or a couple more things to mention. Uh Injury updates going into against Missouri. I feel like that's one thing I should mention. Uh, Jalen Carter. They're saying Jalen Carter looks a lot better this week, and uh, he's taking a lot more volume at practice, which is a significant thing. I'm assuming that he, he he's probably going to suit up against uh, against Missouri. So I don't know what that means for him playing. We've seen Kirby say stuff like this before about players, and it not really be the most true thing. Kirby likes to say that guys are ready to go every week, and you know sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, Arian Smith and A.D. Mitchell, I want to say they both suited up last week against Missouri. Um, neither of them played. Um, but I, I I think that both of these guys are going to be playing this coming up week against Missouri. I know there's a lot of news about Arian Smith coming back last week against Kent State. But we never really saw him on the field. He was definitely suited up on the sideline. So I, I'm expecting both A.D. Mitchell and Arian Smith to come back against Missouri this week. And uh, Tyke Smith and Xavier Sorry. Um, I think they should be okay. They didn't appear last week against Kent State. Um, but I don't think they have any injury issues, which is kind of an interesting thing to see. Um, Tyke Smith has been a guy that we've kind of seen coming in a garbage role, and I don't think there's really, I don't think Georgia really entered the garbage role period in this game. So, you know, I, I think that's a little bit notable. Um, other than that, Lad McConkey has a little bit of a toe issue, but I, I don't think it's going to stop him coming into the week against Missouri. So we should be back to almost 100% going into the Missouri game, which is beautiful to see. Absolutely. But yeah, that that wrap that wraps up the Georgia talk. Uh, let's just get ready for this this big Missouri, or we'll say a big Missouri because it's an SEC matchup. But this Missouri game coming up this Saturday, seven thirty game. So 
you know, fans all around the world, we love them night Saturday games. They're so much fun to watch. You know, the sun's going down. It's starting to get cold outside. It, it's 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 a great environment to be in when you're watching those games. So I'm I'm really pumped up for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seven thirty game. It's always good to get a little prime time action, a little late night. So uh, that that's going to be super exciting, especially with an SEC matchup, regardless of who you're playing. Beautiful. Uh, but that wraps it up on Georgia talk for me, Kenny. Uh, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Uh. If you do, then go ahead and fire them away. And if you don't, then, you know, you can bring us into our next thing. What's the next thing you want to talk about? That's it for me. Let's dive into these Falcons. And the cons, baby. The cons. All right. All right. You want me, you want me to kick it off? You want to kick it off? I'll, I'll start off by just saying that we talked some negatives. We talked some positives in the Georgia game. If we are going to dive into the Falcons, we can always find negatives. We can always find some positives. I got nothing but positivity this week. I have nothing but positivity as well. I, I was I was very, very happy with what I saw. Go ahead, Jake. Okay, so I'm going to start this off by saying that uh, I have been very impressed with Mr. Marcus Mariota this season. Um, I'm excited to see Desmond Ritter, and I do still believe we're going to see him at some point this year, bearing uh, anything, anything crazy happening with this Falcons team. I do think that we can compete. To be fair, there are three teams in our division that have one and two records. So, I mean, we, we're, you know, we're hanging in there. Uh, and, um, but Marcus Mariota is playing good football. Marcus Mariota looks like a solid quarterback. And I think the biggest thing with that is Marcus Mariota has only been sacked six times this season. The Falcons offensive line has been graded as a top 10 unit by pro football focus. I know we can make our jokes about pro football focus as being, Kind of a kind of a weird thing with their grading system, not really understanding where that stuff comes from. But if you watch the games, this Falcons offensive line looks legit. Not only in the passing game, but Cordero Patterson has been toting the rock this year. And I will be the first one to say I am completely wrong because I went into this year thinking there's no way in the world Cordero Patterson was the player we saw last year. And I think I'm being proven wrong. He is a better player than we saw last year, especially with an offensive line that is actually blocking for him. It has been amazing to see. I want to say he's third in the NFL in rushing yards, and he put up he had 17 carries, 141 yards, and one tud on the ground last week uh, against Seattle. I have to mention that. Um, last year, we saw him do a lot of stuff through the air. This year, Cordell Patterson looks like a true running back. Like <laughs> This guy looks like he is like an every-down like power back that is actually like lowering his head, laying the boom. Toting the ball straight up the middle. Looks weird wearing an 84, but I mean, keep keep rolling if it works with you, bud. Um, Kyle Pitts got involved. There is a weird thing with the Falcons over the past two years. Whenever Kyle Pitts gets involved and has big games, the Falcons win football games. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's too weird because he's the best player on this team. But uh, it was good to see. This is the first time we've really seen Kyle Pitts get super involved in the offense. And he looked great. Kyle Pitts is a freak of nature. He, he has the nickname the Unicorn. And it, it's for a reason, y'all. This this guy is a 6'5 beast that runs 4'4 four, four speed. So there's there's not very many guys in the NFL that rival him. Um, Drake London. Drake London is the best rookie receiver in this class, and the Falcons made the best pick they could have made at that spot. He's not flashy. I will say that. Drake London is not a flashy player. He is a consistent player. He catches he catches balls. He is open. Like that, that is what Drake London does, and he has done it in three games in Atlanta. Um on the defensive side of the ball, Rashawn Evans is still, I mean, he, he, he has impressed me a ton with Atlanta. This guy is like your old school, typical middle linebacker. looks like a huge guy back there, and he just makes tackles. Like, he he gets guys down. It's awesome to see. Um, 
Also, you know, Grady Jarrett, he added on a sack this week, um, three tackles for a loss, which is nice to see. And I think Lorenzo Carter recorded his first sack with Atlanta. I, th- I want to say it's his first one. I haven't seen him record another one. Uh, one and a half sacks. That's right. He helped Grady Jarrett in week one. That's right. Um, so it, it was a good all around game. The defense could have used a, a little bit of work, but I mean, you know, that that Seattle offense is is kind of a pesky one. Uh, if you watch if you watch Seattle play any this season, you kind of know their game plan with Geno Smith, and it's to kill you on the short stuff. That is what they do. And I mean, they have they have a really really good running back with Shad Penny. He's he's one of the I would say he's probably in the better half of running backs in the NFL. I'm not going to say he's top ten or anything, but he's he's a, he's a solid back to have. And you know they just they just did what they did, and it, it's kind of a funky offense to stop. So I'm not going to take too much away from that game. I do think the Falcons could be two and one right now, maybe three and zero oh if, if we if we would have played better. I think this Falcons team is is better than what most people were expecting. And me and Kitty both are two guys that expected this Falcons team to out to outperform expectations. And I feel like that even with a one and two start, I feel like there's still a solid chance to outperform expectations by a lot this year. No, absolutely. And you covered a lot of the individual things. So I'll, I'll dive more into the team from a team standpoint. One thing I'll say about this Falcons team that I've seen so far that we haven't really seen in years past, at least, you know, since the Super Bowl era team, um, this team can battle through adversity. I mean, look at this game from a team standpoint. We lose the total yards battle. We hold on, I just lost it. We lose the total yards battle. We lose the time of possession battle. We lose the turnover margin, uh, turnover margin battle. Um, we allowed more sacks than the Seahawks did, and we come away with the win. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in this game, man, that really weren't in the Falcons' favor, but we were able to come through. We battled through adversity. We came through with the win. Um, You said it. Marcus Mariota has been stellar for this team. Uh, Marcus Mariota is is the type of player where you know what you're going to get. You're going to get solid, consistent football. He'll give you one every now and then, but for the most part, he makes plays happen. And when when you have a quarterback, a dual-threat quarterback like we do with Marcus Mariota that we haven't seen in forever – Teams have to honor the run a little bit more than they than they did uh, in years past with Matty Ice, and that opens up the play action game. That opens up throwing down the field. It opens up even check down routes. Like it opens up so many different areas of the defense that we've never seen, and um, that is it's just a perfect one two punch with CPAT. Cordero Patterson, you mentioned it, 141 yards on the ground, man, 8.3 yards per carry, like. Dude's an absolute stud. Obviously, we're trying to get the ball to our playmakers as much as possible. On a team like this, where we're not just littered with amazing playmakers, you have to get the balls. You have to get the ball to the guys that 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 make the plays. So you talk about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and CPAT. Like these are the guys that need to get the ball. And I mean, for, it, it was beautiful to see that happen and see the game plan around those. So uh, multiple things we can talk positive about the Falcons, but the biggest one to me is the ability for this team to battle adversity, man. When you lose so many margins and so many battles in terms of total team production against the Seahawks like we did, but you're still able to come away with the win, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel like this team is better than we're playing, and we're going to continue to to climb the ladder and get better and get to where we are because, you know, we're a young team. We're an inexperienced team. We bring in Marcus Mariota, who, you know, is a veteran player but hasn't had – significant starting time in recent years you bring in a guy like CPAD and then obviously the young guys and Kyle Pitts and and Drake London like this team's not going to do anything but get better so for a Falcons fan it's very optimistic and it's very very good to see 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's super awesome. I, I have I have a pretty crazy note looking ahead into uh next week's game. We're playing uh Cleveland on Sunday at 1 p.m. Um I saw a little thing, it was a pro football focus thing again, uh little PFF action. Going into this Cleveland game, so far through three weeks in the NFL, this is a matchup between the top two wide receiver, tight end, and running back trios in the NFL based off grades. Obviously, on the Falcons side, we have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Cordell Patterson. That is second in the NFL. Then you go to Cleveland side, they have Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, and David Njoku. That is the top trio in the NFL when it comes to wide receiver, tight end, running back. So this is a game that should have some weapons. Uh, it's not the most stellar quarterback match if you've ever seen. A little Jacoby Brissett, uh, Marcus Mariota action is, is not, you know, Primetime football, not what you'd expect, but it, it is a game that I am very, very excited to see what this Falcons team can do, and I'm excited to see what the defense can do. This is a Cleveland team that is going to try to run the ball down your throats, and with Nick Chubb, it's going to be a tall task. We're going to have to see guys like Michael. Uh, I must said Michael Williams. Oh my God, I'm bad. I'm still in Georgia. Um, Michael Walker and uh, Rashawn Evans. Those two guys are going to have to have big games with Nick Chubb. They're going to have to attack as soon as he hits the hole. Try to bring him down. He's a hard guy to tackle. Georgia fans, we all know that. And also, uh, AJT. AJT is going to have his hands pretty full, too. Um, Amari Cooper, he is he is not watched. That is confirmed. Amari Cooper is still that guy. And Brissett's still a guy that can sling the ball. Like, I, I know people disrespect Brissett. He's still a guy that can make throws. So, you know, you, you can't never sleep too much on Jacoby. No, and you see the Falcons getting a lot of love as well. I mean, I'm looking at uh, the betting trends going into week four ahead of this Falcons-Browns matchup. You get 67% of the bets are on the Browns, but 54% of the money is on the Falcons. Okay. Getting some big money bettors going at us. Yeah, I mean, you're getting the money. And one thing, you know, fade the public has been a pretty popular betting strategy in years past. And it's one that, you know, if you were to just follow it strictly, you would come out ahead. And uh, to see kind of a lopsided, I mean, 67% of the money on the Browns. That's going to change a little bit. I think you'll see a little bit more money come on the Falcons as we get a little bit closer to Sunday. But 54% of the bets on the – or 54% of the money on the Falcons, 67% of the bets on the Browns. That's a, a pretty significant thing there because the Falcons are seeing a little bit of love, man. And um, this team, like like I said, they, they've proven that they can fight through adversity. So going into a matchup against the Browns, it's, a, it's something to watch because I think it should be a pretty interesting game. No, no I, I'm I'm very curious about this division. Um, it's still early. We're only through three weeks, but there's a couple notable things to mention. I know we lost to the Saints week one. That's a game we should have won. We should be two and one right now. Um, we lost to the Rams week two. We should not. We shouldn't have beat them. We made it closer than what the game should have been. So I, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll say we should be two and one right now. We should have beat the Saints. There's there's no doubt in my mind about it. Some turnovers caught happen. We let them get back into the game, but this division is interesting to me. Because what I've seen around this division is inconsistent football among every team. Jameis Winston is not Jameis Winston of last year. So far this year, other than that second half against the Falcons, Jameis Winston has not looked very, very good. He's made so he's he's back on his bad reads, bad decisions. I know he's been dealing with a little bit of a back issue, so maybe that plays part in it. But he he's not the guy he was last year. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this: I don't think Alvin Kamara is the same player he used to be. I think that's a pretty known thing around the league anymore. He's not a guy you really rank in your top five like that is like, like we used to. So I, I don't really see that Saints team as being great. Carolina, Baker Mayfield has had his flashes. Baker Mayfield still makes me nervous as a NFL quarterback. If, if he was my quarterback for the Falcons, he would make me nervous every week because he does have that little bit of inconsistent factor to him. 
not the same level as Jameis, where he, he's going to turn the ball over and make some crazy decisions. But whenever Baker May- Mayfield's making his throws, he has one of the better arms in the NFL. The only problem is, is he he, he just has a little bit of inconsistency and inconsistency to him. Obviously, they still have CMC. CMC is still a beast. Health is still an issue with him. I want to say he's questionable going into next week. So you never know about Christian McCaffrey. He might he might be out for the year next next week. You never know with him. Um, that Panthers offensive scheme is absolutely horrendous too. Like, it just doesn't like if you're a Panthers fan, you can't feel like even if you had who like if you had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, if you're running that offensive scheme, dude, like you can't feel good as a Panthers fan about your ability to win games running that. It's almost like the Cardinals. Like Kyler Murray is one of the best athletes and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he suffers so much from that terrible scheme the Cardinals run that it just doesn't make any sense. Like if you get these guys some kind of scheme where they can actually show their talents and be productive, you'll see them produce. So that that Panthers team is so weird to me. Like you just like the 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 plays they run, the the lineups they set up in, like it's just weird, dude. I just can't I can't bring myself and I like Baker. I really do. I'm a big Baker fan, but I just can't bring myself to to buy into the hype of the Panthers as a whole cuz I just don't believe in in the the scheme and the the things that they're running out there. Like, I don't think you can win very many football games running that elementary style offense that they run. And Matt rule is definitely out. Yeah. He has to be Matt rule has to be gone. And we mentioned that we mentioned, you know, Carolina, I, I just don't, I don't think Carolina is a very talented team all the way around. Like, I mean, we look at talent levels on both sides of the ball. Like, I, this might be, I would probably take the Falcons. Like I know Brian Burns on the defensive side of the ball. He's balling out this year. Obviously Christian McCaffrey's an absolute stud, but I mean, Robbie Anderson, I mean, he's, he's had flashes this year. But you were right with the scheme. I mean, you, they have basically completely canceled out DJ Moore in their system. And we're talking about a guy that is like a, a top 15 wide receiver. Like, <laughs> like, you can't cancel that guy out of your system. He's a guy that has to, that needs to be getting 10 plus targets a, a game in that system. So with, with the guys around him, he needs to be getting targets. And it's not really happening right now for them. Um, so Carolina is a team that they would, they would surprise me if they won more than five games this year honestly just because of all the things going against them and then tampa tampa right now is a defensive football team tampa's offense has not impressed me one single bit now this is me also talking on tom brady which is is never a good thing brady's a little bit different right now i don't i don't know what it is i know he's had a little bit of receiving problems a lot of his receivers have been dealing with issues obviously mike evans got suspended for a week for getting into an altercation with uh marshall marshall Lattimore two weeks ago so there's a lot of interesting things going to this but that tim bay offense has been kind of like stagnant like they have been pretty bad and the defense is really what's been winning them football games i mean the most points they put up this year is 20 points and that was against the saints um now luckily enough the most points they've given up is 12 points so i mean this this Tampa team looks like a, a defensive team, and it just so happens I feel like this Falcons team is a team that could take advantage of that because of us running a, a kind of different style of football. Like, I mean, we don't really run your proto, prototypical NFL-style ball whenever you watch the Falcons play. I would go out there to say the Falcons might be one of the most entertaining teams to watch right now whenever we're playing offense. We are one of the better offenses in football right now, which is kind of a wild thing to say because I don't think anybody would would expect that. But you look at total yards and stuff, the Falcons' offense is is pretty crazy. <laughs> Dude, that, and that Tampa team is so weird, too, because, like, one thing we've seen from Tampa since Tom's been there is they've been so consistent in so many different areas, like offensive production, 
Um, Health-wise, they've been so consistent. Like, they've just had the ability to keep guys on the field, and they are struggling right now, dude. I mean, they're down three Pro Bowl cal- uh, caliber offensive linemen that are down um, with injuries. Um, they're on, like, their third-string center right now. Obviously, I mean, talent-wise, again, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones probably – two top 10 in just pure athleticism talent wide receivers in the NFL. They're both down with injuries. Um, I think maybe Julio will be back this week. Obviously Mike Evans will be back with the injury. You lose a guy like Gronk. Like this is just a super different Tampa team than we've seen. And I think they'll figure it out. I certainly think they're the best team in the NFC South, but dude, you're talking about wild card potential and teams that can make a run. I don't think that saints team is, is far ahead. If ahead at all at this Falcons team. I don't think so either. And you know, we're talking about a we're talking about a uh you know NFC that that kind of is almost wide open right now. I mean, the as of right now, the best conference in football when it comes to record is the NFC East. I'm sorry to say this, the NFC East is 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 not great to me. Like I, I know the Giants team is two and one. I think if you line this Falcons team up with that Giants team, this Falcons team beats that beats that Giants team. That that is my opinion. Um Dallas is 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 winning games, but you know we saw how Dak looked before the injury. He's got to straighten up. Dak looked looked rough before that injury happened. So Rush is coming. Cooper Rush is is playing good football right now. So that's a, that's a pretty notable thing. And you know the funniest thing, the worst division in football record wise is the NFC West, which is I think everybody expected to be one of the toughest divisions in football. So one of the weakest divisions in football that everybody expected, and one of the toughest divisions in football is completely flip flopped in how how things have been working so far this year. Now, part of that is because they've been kind of picking on each other a little bit. Um, obviously, the Seahawks are not a very good team. The Cardinals have been completely killed by injuries in the wide receiver room. Like, I mean, Kyler Murray's out there struggling. His wide receivers are dropping passes. I saw Zach Ertz drop like three passes last week. So he's doing all he can. And that, that Cardinals team does not look good at all. San Fran, uh, I think they're a better football team now that Jimmy G's playing football than like Trey Lance. I, 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 my heart goes out to Trey Lance. He's, he's a stud. He can play ball. But there's one thing about Jimmy G. Jimmy G's going to win football games. There's no doubt about it. it. Outside of Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, there's been one other quarterback make consistent deep runs in the playoffs, and his name is Jimmy Garoppolo, which is an insane, insane, insane thing to say. But that 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 is how it works with Jimmy G. He he always manages to win football games when he's on a football field. So I I, I they kind of scare me a little bit. Like they scare me a lot more now that Jimmy G's their quarterback than Trey Lance. Watch out for Jimmy G too, man. Like, you know, I'll go ahead and throw this out there. I think he's got a pretty good chance of being that Buccaneer starting quarterback next year. He might. He might. He might take over that role. They're they're gonna be looking for somebody. I don't think Kyle, I don't think Kyle Trask is the answer if he's even still there. So you know, they'll they'll definitely have somebody on the radar. Maybe it's Marcus Mariota, even though he signed a two year deal. Maybe. Might be Jimmy G's got that one year deal, man. Restructure contract. He's gonna be out the door free agent. He uh, his free agency was a little short lived this year with the shoulder issues and if he comes out here and plays decent for the rest of this year man there's going to be some teams in the market for him obviously a team like tampa probably not going to be in the running for one of those upper echelon quarterbacks in this draft class coming out with stroud and, and bryce young but i don't know man jimmy g is a guy that's going to win you some games and you if you can keep a, a tampa team loaded in the wide receiver room they got some things to figure out contractually but man jimmy g could be a top target for them The right, oh, number, we're eighth. And uh, I'm looking at the NFC. We're eighth in point differential in the NFC. Yeah, or minus one. 
Um, I, I was just I was just looking out there. I would do some NFL talk right now, but I feel like we can kind of do that a little bit. When we're going into bets. We're doing good on time right now, so I, I feel like we can kind of hop on over into bets and then do NFL talk as we're doing bets. I feel like that might be kind of a kind of a good strategy to go with. Kind of give us a little bit of breakdowns. Obviously, we're two weeks behind on both college and NFL, so it's kind of a hard thing to go completely break down, you know, team by team like we normally do. So, do you want to? Do you want to go ahead? Are you done on Falcons? I'm good. Let's go ahead and dive with some bets. Okay, you want to start off with college or the NFL, Kenny? I'll tell you what. Before we dive into line bets, let's do a quick little Heisman odds update. Heisman uh, odds update. Okay. We talked about it a little bit off air beforehand, so I'm curious to see what you think. Um, top five in Heisman odds right now, you get C.J. Stroud as the favorite at plus 125, Bryce Young at plus 500, Caleb Williams plus 600, Hendon Hooker plus 1600, and Stetson roll, uh, rounding out that top five at 2500. So that's your top five right now in Heisman odds. Okay, I like it. Um, I feel like as of right now, um, if you're making this pick, C.J. Stroud is the pick. Like, I don't think there's there's much argument with that. But if you want to make money, right, plus 125 is not going to get you anything. We're trying to make money. So can you give me give me give me your plus 1000 pick to win high than outside of Stetson Bennett? Like these quarterbacks all get kind of similar in that area. So we're going to we're going to cancel out CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams and Stetson Bennett. I know you, I, you can give your Heisman pick and then give me that answer. So I'll let you do Heisman, then, then my, my, my sleeper pick. There's two really juicy ones. Um, one that I'm leaning towards just likelihood scenario, and that's Hendon Hooker at plus 1,600. Um, now, obviously, that comes in right above that, that 1,000 little frame that you're giving me here. An interesting one, and I, I just don't think it's possible because he missed a game, and in college, you, you it's hard when you miss any time, but, man... Sam Hartman at plus four thousand is a pretty juicy look if you're if you're looking at that. No, I agree. Sam Hartman is an absolute stud. If he was playing this full season, if he would have played the whole year and not missed the game, like you mentioned, I mean, a game in college football is is definitely notable. You play that game, you might have five more touchdowns at the end of the year. So, I mean, <laughs> six last week, dude. I mean, that it's just because the Heisman the Heisman Trophy has become so stat driven in recent years. So you look at a guy like CJ Stroud, who's just tearing it up through the air right now. It's hard not to give him the edge. And obviously that's why he's the favorite, but a guy like Sam Hartman, who throws like five, six touchdowns every week, like talk about Kenny Pickett last year. Like if Bryce Young didn't have the crazy year that he had, Kenny Pickett probably would have been the surefire Heisman pick because of what his stats look like. And I think Sam Hartman, even missing that game could have a Kenny Pickett esque year. So unless CJ Stroud keeps it up and has a, Joe Burrow, Bryce Young type year, then, um, you know, Sam Hartman's a guy you look out for, man. The stats are going to be there. Yeah, definitely. Sam Sam Hartman is a guy to look out for. I have a couple pretty interesting ones. Uh, Like I mentioned, my Heisman pick CJ Stroud right now. And we're canceling out Stetson Bennett because as as homers, we're going to take Stetson. Uh, plus, two, that plus 250 or 2,500 sounds very, very spicy. Sounds really, really nice. Uh, so, so we love that. I'm going to go a little bit down the list. And I know I mentioned Jalen Daniels to you a little bit. You can get him at plus 3,000. He's Kansas' quarterback. I don't know if he's going to get enough cred to win the Heisman. So 
I'm, I'm gonna go away from him. I'm also gonna go away from Michael Penix because I feel like he's a little bit mainstream right now. That's that's not that's not very fun. Uh, obviously, what he's doing up in Washington is is awesome. The dude is a stud and throw a football all over the place. But I think everybody's kind of on his train right now. So I'm I'm gonna hop off the train for a second and I'm going to pick two interest. I'm pick three interesting guys that I think could make a run if if they get enough if they get enough show. Um, I'm gonna start off with Dylan Gabriel, at Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel is a stud. This dude can put up stats, and Oklahoma is a program that will get a lot of uh, notoriety, even though they lost to Kansas State this past weekend. Um, dude's putting up good numbers at Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma quarterbacks tend to win Heisman trophies. Uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, thank you. And I, mean, I, I think at the end of the year, this guy could have some great stats, especially if you know Oklahoma is is a good football team at the end of the year and you know plays in a conference championship, does all that fun stuff. So we'll see with him. Bo Nix, Bo picks. Look up the stats. Bo Nix has some numbers this year outside the Georgia game. It hurts me to say because he's Auburn's old quarterback. Bo Nix is putting up crazy stats right now. If he continues to do this throughout the year and they end up playing that conference championship as a one-loss team, and who knows? Might climb back up in the rankings and and make a conversation for the college football playoff. You never know. Um, Bo Nix might get a little bit of notoriety. This dude is putting up some pretty, pretty impressive numbers this year. And, you know, now, everybody out there, check me up. It's going to sound crazy, Georgia fans. Check me up right quick. Um, my last guy is, uh, and this is more me saying this because I'm a big fan of him. I, I really like what he's doing there. My problem is I don't think he's going to get notoriety because whenever you talk about their style of football, I feel like it's not really much notoriety on the quarterback play. And that's J.J. McCarthy from uh, Michigan. I feel like J.J. McCarthy is an absolute stud. Now, you talk about a guy missing a game or two that he, he kind of falls into that category. Obviously, he was not the starter going into the year. They had kind of a battle going on. But J.J. McCarthy, if he holds that starting job and he keeps on putting up numbers like he does, I think he could be a guy that works his way right up in the conversation. You can get him at plus 8,000. So you know, those, those are my three guys I'm kind of looking at. And I'm just letting people know out there before you go crazy. This is not my Heisman picks. These are my sleeper Heisman picks, guys that are down the list that could possibly jump up the list real quick. So that's my three right there for you, Kenny. Don't forget Will Rogers. Don't never forget Will Rogers. Again, I don't know if the notoriety is going to be there at the end of the year for him. Um, but I, I do agree. Will, Will, Will Rogers has, at the end of every college football season, you go back and look at Will Rogers. Will, oh, my God. How come I struggle with that name so bad? Will Rogers stats, and you will be super impressed. This guy puts up numbers at Mississippi State. It's crazy. He, he does suffer from that scheme, man. He's just not going to get the the – the looks that other quarterbacks are going to get, unfortunately, but dude, the numbers are ridiculous. Also, uh, not saying this is like a super big thing, obviously, but I would be lying if I told you before we did this, I, I didn't look up Jaden Daniels stats at LSU. I had to check. Uh, I feel like he might be a guy that, that if he steps it up a little bit to another tier, I don't know if he has the ability to, He's already playing amazing football right now at LSU. LSU is a lot better football team than what I gave them uh, credit for. Kenny, I know you were on the LSU train. Congratulations. They beat the crap out of Mississippi State. Um, but this guy's playing ball right now. He is impressing me. I remember when, he did, when we did our quarterback rankings and you put him above Anthony Richardson. I dogged you. And I, I want to formally apologize right now on the podcast for doing that, Kenny. I thought it was disrespectful to AR-15, but I was disrespecting the hell out of Jay Daniels because AR-15 has two touchdown passes and they both happened against Tennessee. So, you know. Jane Daniels is a sleeper, man. 1,200 total yards, uh, eight total touchdowns. Yeah, he needs to get the touchdown numbers up a little bit. But, yeah, Jaden Daniels, he's a freak. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an athlete. I, I really enjoy watching him play football at LSU. 
which is something I would not expect. But he he is he's a baller. Well, let's dive into these game lines. We got a little little segment for y'all tonight uh, or today if you're listening on the podcast side of things. We're going to talk about, we're going to keep it a little bit shorter than usual. We're not going to dive into the full slates. We're only doing one episode this week as opposed to two where we do a little review and preview. So we're kind of trying to cover everything. We're going to do college football and NFL. Jake and I are going to give four picks. We're going to give you a favorite, an underdog, an over, and an under from each college football and NFL. So, Jake, where would you like to kick it off, in the in the, in the the men's league or in the boys' league? I feel like we usually start off with college first. So let's go, let's go ahead and get college. Uh, I'll, I'll let you kick it off, and I'll, I'll follow your lead. All right, let's start college football. We'll talk about our favorite, a favorite that we're on. We're talking about line bets here, guys. We're not talking about money line. We're, we're talking about the juice. Um, so my favorite pick as far as favorites go in college football this week is Pitt minus 21 and a half at, versus Georgia Tech. I love it. I love it. That Georgia Tech football team is bad. They're in shambles right now. Uh, fired head coach and their AD. So, you know, that, that Georgia Tech program is probably worse than what they were. So I, I completely agree with it. You said in it, uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, Eden Slovis, he's, he's a guy that played good ball. And I don't think Pittsburgh's great. But um, Georgia Tech's just very, very bad. So I, I, yeah. I, I, I could be on that. They're gonna win. They're gonna win by more than twenty-two. Definitely. Um, my favorite that I am on, Kenny. Uh, this is a Friday, eleven p.m. game. I am on Michigan minus ten and a half on at Iowa. I think this Michigan team is a lot better than what people are starting to recognize, and I think that this is a primetime example that they can show. I think they could beat Iowa by 30, and I would not be surprised. This Iowa team is a team that is known for playing good defense, uh, but I I don't think they're going to be able to stop this Michigan offense very well, and I don't think they're going to be able to put up points on this Michigan defense either, so we'll see how that goes. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right, let's head into an underdog, Jake. Who is your underdog of the week? My underdog of the week? Yeah, I we, think we, we, we might have the same one here. Definitely going to have the same one. This line looks too good to pass up on. My underdog of the week is Texas Tech plus 7.5 Kansas State. I'm just playing. No, this, uh, that's just a joke. Uh, that, was, that was just the first thing I saw when I looked. Uh, my underdog of the week is Kentucky plus 6.5 at, at Ole Miss. I about said Mississippi State. My apologies. Um, this Kentucky team is ranked 7th in the nation. Ole Miss is unranked. They both play in the SEC. They're ranked now. Oh, they are ranked now? Well, they were. They might be Aren't ranked. You might, I, I thought they were, but on, it's, it's not saying they're ranked right here, which is, which is weird. I thought they were ranked, but I, I don't know what happened. They might not be. Hold on. I'm pulling it up. Keep talking. Pulling it up live. Uh, but yeah, this Kentucky team, man, this is a team that uh, always plays tough. I know we talk about this on the podcast so much about how, how tough Kentucky plays, but it's really a true statement. I'm not guaranteeing a win on Kentucky side, but to see them lose by a touchdown against Ole Miss, I don't see it. Can I see them losing by a field goal? Yes. Right. But Kentucky's going to play this team close. It, that, that spread is way too high. I would, I would say Kentucky's a favorite. And to see him at six and a half, give it to me all day long. I am happy. I will happily take Kentucky plus six and a half Ole Miss. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. It doesn't show they're ranked on here, but they are the 14th ranked team in the country. Okay, 14th ranked. Got you. But either way, I mean, it doesn't change anything. Kentucky should be favored in this game. I don't understand the six and a half, so I'm I'm riding it. That's my underdog of the week. Very nice. Happy, happy we can agree on that, Kenny. Yes, sir. All right, let's go to our overs. Uh, this is no surprise for me. I'm taking Maryland, Michigan State over fifty nine and a half. Oh, uh, I know, I know you, I know you love the uh the old 
Maryland, Michigan State bets. Um, I'm going to go a little bit across the wave with you. I'm going to go over 50 and a half Louisville at Boston College. I, I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued there. Um, Louisville has has impressed a little bit, and, and sometimes they've you know, kind of disappointed me in sometimes. This is a team that I refuse to make bets, but that's not on the over and that's on the spread. I will not bet for or bet against Louisville anymore. And Boston College is a team that has a good quarterback that, that could possibly put up some points. So I really like that 50 and a half number. I'm, I'm going to roll with the over on that. I like that a lot. All right, let's head into the under. Who's your under of the week, Jake? Under of the week. Uh, my under of the week. I'm going to roll with Georgia Southern at Coastal Carolina. This is an interesting one. 64 and a half. I'm going to go under 64 and a half. These are two teams that can put up points, and we've seen it in the past. But I think this is going to be a very, very hard-fought game. I don't see this game being an absolute shootout. I think that these two teams, obviously, it's, it's a Sun Belt matchup right here. I think they're going to fight each other pretty tough, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a lot lower scoring than what a lot of people think. I don't, I don't see 30-plus points apiece from either of these teams. All right, I like that. This is my under for the week. This is one of my favorite bets in college football. The under 60 and a half, Arizona State, USC. Ooh, okay, okay. Why, because USC is going to beat them 54 to nothing? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, Arizona State has scored more than 21 points one time this year, and it was in a week one matchup against Northern Arizona. Aside from that, they put up 17 against Oklahoma State, 21 in a loss against Eastern Michigan, and 13 in a loss against Utah. It was not a very good football team. Yeah. Not no. to mention everything that's going on there So Arizona State right now. I don't know if you've been seeing it, Jake, but there is so much controversy with this school. Obviously, Herm Edwards, legendary coach, legendary analyst, is out as the head coach at Arizona State. And now the reports are coming out from every other school around saying that Arizona State has been leaking insider team information to their opponents for the past year against Arizona State, trying to give other teams the edge to get Herm Edwards out of the building. This team is in shambles. They're in a worse spot than Georgia Tech is right now. Like, this team is garbage. I mean, and you're playing USC. Obviously, USC can score a lot of points, but I would be surprised to see Arizona State score more than 10 in this game, and I don't think USC is going to come out there and hang 50 on them. No, I, I like the bet. I, I do like the bet, for sure. I, I think I think it could be could be an interesting one um, just for the US, USC aspect of things, but I, I do think you're right that I, I don't really see them hanging 50 either, and that Arizona State team is already bad, and now they have a lot of controversy, so, you know, there's a lot of issues going to that game for Arizona State. All right, that's that's it for our college bets, Jake. You got anything else you want to add? I, I'm I'm good. Uh, this is kind of a weird situation for me. I've not really done my my weekly dive into betting. Um, obviously we came back from vacation and we had to get right back to work. So, been kind of recouping a little bit when I get to the house. So, that that's kind of it on my side of things in, in the college football world. All right, let's head into the league. Let's talk about our favorites, underdogs, overs, and unders. Jake, who is your favorite of the week in the NFL? Okay, so my favorite of the week in the NFL, I am going to roll with, drum roll, please. 
I am going to roll with the Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half with Denver coming to town. I'm not really impressed with this Denver Broncos football team. I don't know if this Denver Broncos football team is, is a top 20 team in football. Um, Russ proclaims to be cooking or something like that. Uh, but there's not much cooking going on in Denver. A lot of field goals. Uh, We'll say Brandon McManus is my is my fantasy kicker. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, and this Vegas team is 0-3. It sounds weird going with an 0-3 team, but this Vegas team is a lot better than 0-3, and they are not going to start the season 0-4. I promise you that. So I, I really like Vegas at home. Um, Derek Carr is going to be rolling. Devontae Adams is going to be rolling. Josh Jacobs is going to be rolling. A lot of things going on for Vegas. So I'm going to roll with them. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm with you. You follow the trends, man. It's it's hard to imagine an 0 and 4 Raiders team. So two and a half, I think, is a good line to get there. Um, my favorite of the week. I'm taking the Giants at home minus three and a half against the Bears. I like it a lot. That Bears team's two and one right now. They they are not a good football team. They do not throw the ball a lot, and I'm not a very big team fan of teams that do not throw the ball a lot. Not super high on this Giants team, but Saquon's been running the ball. Dan Jones has been playing pretty good football, and I'm a big, big, big believer in Brian Dayball. Yeah, I am too. Uh, I think this Giants team has potential. Um, obviously, the offensive line is such a problem with this Giants team. Daniel Jones tries to do all he can, and I know there's fans and stuff coming at his neck, but uh, it does not matter what quarterback you put back there. It's going to be hard to find a quarterback that can have success with that offensive line. So. I, I do like that a lot. And like I said, I don't think this Bears team is very good. I know I, I was on them a couple weeks back when they played the Packers. Got them at plus nine and a half. I think they got blown out. So I'm, I'm not going to roll with the Bears. I'm a Justin Fields fan myself. I feel like them limiting how much he throws the ball is, is a major, major, major problem with his development. It is kind of a sad case that he's even has to deal with that because there's times that he throws the ball 10 times in the game and it's kind of stupid. You have a quarterback that you just drafted in the first round and you're not a playoff team, let the kids sling the ball. Like just see what the guy has and they refuse to do it. So I, I'm with you on the Giants. I think they they might blow they might blow the Bears out, honestly. All right, let's go into underdog, my underdog of the week. Weird line. Don't really understand it, but I'll take it every single day and twice on Sunday. Or twice on Monday, I guess I guess I should say. The Monday night game, underdog of the week. The Rams are plus one and a half in Santa Clara against the 49ers. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very interesting one. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I know all the money's on the Rams, all the bets are on the Rams, but it's hard to fade the public on this one, man. This Rams team, reigning Super Bowl champs, they haven't been playing the best football, but you gotta think they're at least a point and a half better than the Niners. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um I'm on the Jimmy G train, so I did not roll with that same answer as you, Kenny. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to say about that one. Or... That's it for me. You can go into your over or your uh, underdog of the week, I guess I should say. So I'm going to stick away from that one, and I'm going to go with my boy, uh, Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals, plus one and a half uh, going to Carolina. I saw some stuff of Rondell Moore out on, out on the uh, track running some sprints and stuff, so that I think that's really, really, really big news for Arizona to actually get a real wide receiver out there. Sorry, AJ Green, you're a damn good dog, but you are not a damn good football player anymore. So <laughs> I think Rondell Moore is going to be a huge, huge ad if he could play this week against Carolina. Um, and I, I think Kyler has the juice, man. I think this Arizona team, I feel like this offense is going to get rolling at some point this year. 
And they're another team that you see start off slow like they have so far. It's it's not going to keep it up. I, I I will be somebody to tell you this. This Arizona team's a lot better than what we've seen them play like so far this year. And it's some week, any given week, we're going to see them take off. I thought it was two weeks ago, and then they came out last week and played a sneak. So hopefully this is hopefully this is a get right game, and you know they can take advantage of this Carolina Panthers team. I like that a lot. Let's head into our overs. Who is your over of the week in the NFL? Okay, so my over of the week, and I hate to choose this because this is going to be a game that's going to hit under, but it has to be my choice. Sunday night football, um, Chiefs at Bucks. I'm going to go over 45 and a half. This is going to be one of those games that you get so excited for. Next thing you know, the final score is 10 to 14. You're going to be pissed off whenever you go to sleep and then wake up in the morning like, man, I stayed up till 1130 watching that damn football game. And it was trash to watch, but... It's either going to be a it's either going to be a low scoring game or it's going to be a shootout. There's there's no in between. I'm going to bank on the shootout, so I'm I'm going to go with that game right there. The, the Chiefs at Bucks. I like it a lot. I like that. That's going to be a good game. It's a fun game to watch. I'm curious to see how that plays out because the game's in Tampa. So and we also talk about something. The Buccaneers. I've mentioned it multiple times so far. Talking about the NFL, a team that has started slow offensively. They're going to get rolling at some point. Tom Brady's going to start slinging the pigskin. It's going to happen. We haven't really seen seen it too much this year. He hasn't really had no crazy games. He's going to have one of them 354 tud games at some point. And I know this Chiefs defense is good. Don't get me wrong. This Bucks defense is good. But this could be a, a game where the offense takes over with these two offenses. Well, it's just as simple as it's hard to stop Pat Mahomes and it's hard to stop Tom Brady. So Exactly. Eventually, Brady's going to figure it out. Kyle Rudolph's back. He's healthy. You know, obviously Mike Mike Evans is going to be back this week. Hopefully, we'll see Julio out there playing. He's been playing good. Not sure of the Chris Godwin situation. I think he's going to miss a couple of weeks. So we'll see. But Tom's getting some weapons back. Obviously, that Chiefs team is is ridiculous. So I like that a lot. And obviously, um, and, and honestly, both of these teams kind of have to be going to this game disappointed off last week. I, I know the Bucks pulled out a win against Green Bay, but I mean it was it was a stinker of a football game, and the Chiefs lost to the Colts. So. And a Colts team that is that is is pretty bad. Like I I, I will I will go ahead and say it. that Colts team is 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 not firing on a full cylinder. On all like they're not firing all cylinders right now. Like that, that Colts team is is pretty bottom of the barrel right now. So both of these teams are are kind of going into a get right game. So I, I'm that's probably one of the more intriguing parts of this for me. All right, my over of the week and one of my favorite bets of the week in the NFL, um, Jacksonville and Philly over forty six and a half. Love I this. Love that. Right I love that so much. Um, the Jags have been playing really, really good football. Two and one team traveling to Philly to play, you know, a number one on a lot of people's power rankings in this Eagles team. Jalen Hurts has been balling. Trevor Lawrence has been balling. James Robinson has been an absolute freak. AJ Brown, um, Devontae, those guys have been humming. Um, both of these defenses are a little bit slept on, I'll say. Obviously, this this Eagles defense is getting a little bit of love, but that Jags defense is really, really good. Josh Allen is one of the highest-graded pass rushers in the NFL so far. Um, they can get after the quarterback a little bit, so I'm curious to see how they handled uh, Jalen Hurts. But, uh, man, this this Jags-Eagles game, I think we could see some some points in this one. So 46-and-a-half, I think that's pretty low. So I like the over here. I could be wrong, but didn't this, didn't this Jacksonville team just shut down the Minnesota Vikings last week? Like um, I, 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 I might be wrong on that, but I want to say, I mean, it might not be a complete shutdown, but I, I want to say that maybe it's not Minnesota, but they played a team last week, uh, and their defense looked very good. Chargers. 
Chargers, that's it. I'm sorry, not the Vikings. The Chargers. The Jacksonville Jaguars shut them down, which is which is very impressive. Um, but yeah, these these defenses are decent. Um, I do want to mention that the, I know Philly did give up 30 plus against Detroit week one. Detroit is a better football team than what you know everybody expected going into the season. Um, I know they're one and two right now, but you you watch them play and you're like, okay, this Detroit team might be decent. And Jacksonville and Philly are two teams that are aiming to win their divisions. If I was to make my picks right now, those would be my two picks to win their division. Honestly, I know that people say the Colts and the Titans are the powerhouses in that um, AFC South, but give me Jacksonville. Y'all like hop on the Jacksonville train. I, I'm going to give you credit right here. Kenny, you were on the Jacksonville train last year, and I know you were rolling with them again this year. This year looks like it might be the year for Jacksonville. because Trevor Lawrence is slinging the ball around. Defense looks good. Offense looks good. They have they're firing all all full. Um, oh my god! I keep on trying to say that damn statement. I'm not going to say it. They, they're 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 rolling is what I'm going to say. Um, Trevor Lawrence is benefiting so much for having an actual number one wide receiver, Christian Kirk. And you know, good thing for Christian Kirk, man. He was a guy I was not very high on going to the season. Kenny, like I said, I know you were. So congratulations on that. But he's showing he could be a number one guy. He's not flashy. He's not super crazy. But the guy makes catches. He reminds me a lot of my boy Amon Ra. Uh. Both of, two, two, both of those guys are fantasy legends for me right now on my fantasy team. So I'm going to roll with them. And uh, I, I love the pick, man. Jacksonville, Philly, those are two great teams. And, you know, you talk about Philly. Jalen Hurts is is a guy that's right up there in the MVP conversation. I know we're only through three weeks, but dude looks like an absolute stud right now. It, it's awesome to see what Jalen Hurts is doing. We knew the mentals were there. We knew the skill was there. But there's something different about Jalen Hurts right now than what we saw the past years. Jalen Hurts is a different quarterback, and I, I love to see it, man. This dude, is, this dude can sling it. Jalen's an absolute stud. One thing about Jacksonville, I will say, is they finally have coaching. It's an important thing. You know, Trevor is surrounded by talent on the offense. They have a they have a good defense, a very young defense, and that coaching staff is is really, really, really good. Coming off the of Urban Meyer year, like you can't you can't really ask for a much worse situation to be put in as the number one overall pick. So it's good to see Trevor out there balling and thriving a little bit. Um, but let's get into our unders, Jake. I'll let you kick it off here. Who's your? What's your under of the week in the NFL? I'm going under 41 and a half. Uh, Jets at Steelers. Um, I don't... I, Steelers offense is not very good. Steelers defense is very good. Um, Joe Flacco's... Still the quarterback, as I know of right now with the Jets. I know there's a little bit of speculation that Zach Wilson it might come back this week. But if I am, um, who is the coach? Robert Sala, Jets coach, I want to say. Um, if I'm Bob Sala, I would not be bringing back my future quarterback against the Steelers. That does not seem like it would end well, especially with the guy that about tore his knee in half. Like, this is, this is, not, this is not the week to bring him back. Let him sit one more week and... Uh, I, th- I think this game could be an absolute stinker in the score column. I like it a lot. And we're kind of on, on the same trend here as far as the unders go because we have – these are kind of asterisk picks for us, I'll say. Um, you obviously have the quarterback wild card situation, and I have one as well. I'm taking the under 46.5 dolphins Bengals. Okay, okay, dolphins Bengals. Okay, this is one I'm surprised has not been mentioned yet. I know a lot of people are loving that plus – 3.5 plus three and a half with the Dolphins. So I'm, I'm happy we're bringing it up at some point. This Bengals team has just not impressed anybody, dude. I mean, 
you look at their obviously we're week four they've only played three games they put up 16 20 and 17 in three weeks um and they played the rams who have a good defense or not, not excuse me not the rams the uh the uh, steelers who have a good defense the cowboys who have a, a good pass rush and the jets who do not have a very good defense so you're matching up against this Dolphins defense, who is very, very, very good. This Dolphins defense is probably top five in the league right now. They are very good in pass coverage. They can get after the passer. They're really good, you know, stopping the run. Like, this Dolphins team is very, very good defensively. And the question mark is Tua. Is Tua going to play? Um, he had the big scare last week, um, came back in the game. Obviously, Tua has been, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL so far, definitely in the MVP conversation. Um, but not only is he battling the whole concussion situation, I think I saw that he passed all his tests and he made it out of concussion protocol. He's got a back injury and a leg injury he's dealing with. So they're saying he's doing everything he can to play. And usually when a team says that their quarterback's doing everything that they can to play, that's usually not a very good sign. Now they have Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a solid quarterback, but I just cannot bring myself to look at this lackluster Bengals offense, what they've been able to produce, and just, I mean, 46 and a half, I think that's a little bit high. If Tua plays, I'm very nervous about it. But with the Tua injury situation, I, I like it. I think 46 and a half is a pretty good number to take the under here. No, I, I, I agree. If uh, Tua doesn't play, I, I could see it happening. Um, we also saw last week uh, a, a really big drop off in the targets to uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. That is something that is very notable too if teams start trying to hone in on those guys i know it's kind of hard to zero in on like two guys instead of one individual but it, it was something notable gaseki had a game which we know mike gaseki's a stud but I, I see where you're going with this my one my, my my one nervous thing i will have is i feel like this is a game that could flip flop either way either it's going to be one of those low scoring affairs that you know defenses show up and play or Talk about get right games. Cincinnati is another team that is is better than what we've seen. I think. I think that the Cincinnati team is a lot better than what we've seen. I know they dealt with injury problems, and they still have the issue of not being able to protect their quarterback, even though they you know spent some money this offseason to try to do that. But at some point, I think they'll come alive. We saw Miami get into a shootout a couple weeks back with uh, Baltimore, and you know they came out on top in that game. It makes me a little bit nervous that we've seen that already, and I feel like that might be a possibility this week, but. I do think that is a good pick. I, I I would I would lean the under than the over. So I mean I, I I can roll with that. All right. Well, I think that wraps up everything we had on the table for tonight's episode. I think so. Uh, is there any other NFL games you would like to discuss? Uh, I I'm trying to look through the through the column. Not really too many super exciting matchups I'm seeing. I mean, there's some fun ones. Uh, I I will say this. I was very tempted to take the under. In the Bills at Ravens games at fifty one, because thinking the same thing. Like I said, especially this year, I feel like most games that we've been really, really pumped up to watch and admire the football have been kind of disappointers. And I feel like this is one of those games that I think everybody's going to have their TV turned on. It's a one o'clock game. Not many games, you know. Besides, I think if you're watching NFL Reds on your, like, okay, okay, guys, let's go to the Bills Ravens game. Like, let's let's just check it out. If you ain't got on your local broadcast, you're gonna be watching Reds on Prime that it's turned on. So. You know, this is the this is a really really exciting game, and it just seems like one of those games you might walk into, and next thing you know, it's seventeen fourteen with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're like, "What the hell did I just watch?" But 
I'm not going to go that that way because it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is probably the best quarterback in in the NFL this season so far, rushing and uh, passing the ball. I saw a little thing the other day when it comes to fantasy points. Lamar Jackson is the top quarterback in fantasy points. And if you take away his rushing statistics, he is the fourth best quarterback in fantasy points. So <laughs> he, <laughs> Lamar Jackson can do it all. I know that Lamar got hate, hated for a couple of years. I think everybody that was hating Lamar is, is on his hype train now because he has proven it to everybody. That guy can throw the football. Yeah, man, Lamar is an absolute monster. I feel like I feel so bad for Lamar too because it's like he still kind of gets that notion. Like I, I, I hate that he still gets kind of like the running back notion because he plays the game a different way. But, I mean, you watch Lamar play. I feel like he's kind of like James Harden. I remember I, we, I, James Harden was averaging like thirty something points a game, and everybody's like, "Oh, this guy's you know he just gets free throws and stuff. He's really not that good." And then you watch him play your team, and he drops forty on you, and you're like, "Okay, this guy was a monster." Lamar's kind of the same way. I feel like people are kind of like, oh, yeah, Lamar, he just run the ball all the time. Then you watch him play, and you're like, oh, my God, this dude is a – this guy's gifted. Like, this guy can do everything. Like, he will he will, he will, will run 50 yards on you one drive, and then the next drive he throws a 70-yard bomb. Like, he is a beast. Yeah, he has definitely solidified himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And if you're, if you're anti-Lamar at this point, like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, it's too far gone. He's not he's not a running back no more. He actually throws the ball. So hop on the train now. Um he, he's a beast. But I think I think that's all I have. I will say one more pick I was almost on, but the Seattle offense kind of scares me a little bit. Not a little bit. Like they don't scare me, but I was thinking about Detroit minus four and a half. Detroit's like I said, they they've looked decent this year. Jared Goff's kind of had like a I've suck with words. He's kind of rejuvenated himself in the NFL. He's he's looked solid this year. Um, I know Amon Ra got sh- he got shaken up a little bit last week. He did come out and play though after after the injury, so I'm, I'm confident he'll be playing again this weekend. That Amon Ra Jared Goff connection is money, and it was money you know at near the end of the year last year, and it's continuing this year. That is a good duo right there. Yeah, dude, I like that Lions team a lot. Yeah, I think they're one and two right now, but that Lions team has has, has looked a lot better than a one and two record. I will say that. And Seattle, I, I've not been I've not been very impressed with Seattle so far. I know they had that had that game they really played where they beat Denver week one, but outside of that, I I'm not really big. At that point, I was like Seattle might be real, but now we see what Denver really is, and it's kind of like okay, maybe Seattle just beat a bad team. But I think I think that's all I have for the league. I mean. There's outside of that, we have a couple good matchups, but nothing, nothing. I'm I'm super excited about outside the ones we already talked about. No, I'm I'm with you, man. Uh, that that pretty much covers it for me. But I think as the NFL unfolds and college football, you kind of get a handle of what teams are. You know, obviously, you see them play football a little bit more. You you see their identity and see what kind of football they play. So we're getting into the the point in the year to where we get to make a little bit more ed- educated guesses and educated picks. So that's exciting. Um, it seems like we find a little bit more about a team every single week. Like man, like like that Eagles team. Like even if the two and O start, it was like okay, yeah, they're pretty good, but are they as good? And then they just keep going and keep going and Jalen Hurts is looking good so like this Eagles team very very well could be one of the best teams in the NFL and that's the thing with the NFL too like if like the best team in the NFL is not that much better than the worst team in the NFL no not at all 
These are professional football players. These are the best athletes on the planet, and they're coming out here and they're playing. So it's any given Sunday. Um, the, the, anybody can come out there and perform, and you've seen that with, with different teams. And, um, you know, you saw it with the Bengals last year. They, their mantra was the whole why not us thing, and now they're coming out here and they're, they're not playing the best football in the world. And, um, you know, they're a team we're kind of looking to make a breakout. And there's so many teams like that, like the Rams, like the Bucks, like – it's just you see it everywhere. So the NFL is it's it's super cool. It's fun, but um, it's not as hot and cold as as college football is because you know when a team is good in college football and when a team is bad in college football. But the NFL is so different. Yeah. If 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 you gave me plus ten thousand odds on the Colts beating the Chiefs last week, I probably wouldn't take it. I probably wouldn't even like. I, I I would take it. I'm lying right here. I'm, I'm over exaggerating a little bit, but you get you get the point. I'm saying like it, in in the league things things are different. Obviously, you can tell by the spreads. You see a team that's awesome compared to a team that's bad. The spread might be six and a half points. So you know, in college football, six and a half point spread. Those teams are close. Like that, that's a that's a close game. That's that's going to be a good game to watch. Where in the NFL, six and a half point spread. You know, that's a, that's top tier versus bottom tier. Like, there's a whole different level to it. So it makes the NFL a little bit harder to really, really dive in. Then we talk about teams like you look at every team in the league, you can point out something positive. You can point like I'm Absolutely. pointing out I'm over here pointing out positives with the Lions. They're one and two. Like there's there's positives with every team in the NFL. Falcons, one and two. Like there's there's levels to this where college football is a little bit more like, okay, this team sucks. This team's good. I'm gonna bet the spread. NFL you gotta kinda dive a little bit deeper in the betting world. But I think I think that that that's it for me on on the podcast side of things. I don't have anything else to talk about. That's it for me too, man. This been it was a good episode. We covered a lot. We talked about a lot, and um, I'm excited to see some more ball. Oh yeah, we got we got a ton more ball coming up this week. Uh, obviously, Braves, Mets. Uh, Braves did end up losing tonight's game. Walk off single by C.J. Abrams. Uh, thank you, Padres, for trading him for Juan Soto. <laughs> and the Mets won. The Mets did win. Oh my lord, we're back down down a game, but we will get into this a little bit deeper on next week's podcast. Uh, hoping hoping we'll probably aim for Tuesday. Which think Kenny think that'd probably be the best bet Tuesday. Sounds good to me. And at that point, the Mets series will already be over, and we'll have a whole weekend of college football and NFL, and we'll probably hop back into our normal normal routine of how we do things, how we cover Tuesday, and then we, you know, look ahead on Wednesdays. So this week was just a little bit funky. Uh, sorry about that, but. You know, we're really excited to get back on that on that normal track. No more vacations coming up. Uh, we might have to alter the schedule a little bit with playoff baseball coming up. I will say that we might have to try to aim for some Braves off days to squeeze in some episodes, so we don't have to we don't have to record during the postseason games. But we're gonna we're gonna worry about that when that happens. So that's right. You know. But you know, thank y'all so much. Uh, I do want to say, check out the Twitter, uh, YouTube side of things. Y'all can see it. But uh, you know, on on any podcast platforms, the Twitter is Peach State Pod. Kenny puts in really really good work over there on the Twitter. Got tweets out a bunch of bangers um and you know if you listen to us on the spotify or the apple podcast check us out on youtube uh peach state tailgate podcast that's what we're live on right now as we're talking you can come see our faces uh that's about the only difference you get if you jump in a little bit early you sometimes you can hear me and Kenny talking some crap about some stuff we might not talk about on the podcast or we might talk about some stuff but we're going to talk about on the podcast so there's there's a lot of different things you can catch that you don't check catch on the podcast side of things we might talk for five minutes we might talk for 30 minutes live so you know, it's it always kind of 
kind of alternates but uh yeah i just want to say thank y'all so much for the support it's, it's been awesome so far 16 episodes me and kenny were talking about that at the beginning it's kind of crazy we've made it this far you know we're going to keep on trucking through uh but that's my closing thoughts on things kenny i'll let you go ahead and close it out and we'll we'll wrap this thing up and get get some good night's sleep and get ready for some ball this weekend sir yes sir i mean you covered it pretty good man check us out on all the socials make sure you guys are giving us some feedback leave us a review let us know if you have anything that uh that that we we can do to make the show better man give us some give us your input let us know uh, if you just want to talk ball if you have anything you want us to hit on on the show we love it we love to hear anything we can do to make this show better for y'all so thank y'all so much for listening we're looking forward to bringing y'all some more stuff and uh go braves go dogs go falcons and uh let's let this thing let's let this thing rip Go Kane. Oh, yeah. See you guys.